0: anyway.
1: straight from the source michael russo coming to you from washington dc and my partner in crime is down uh wearing sunglasses on a lanai in western florida back at some old stomping grounds uh joe smith who joe isn't it crazy i feel like i see you almost less than i saw you when you like in person when you covered the lightning uh i, I honestly don't think we've seen each other in person for like two months uh
2: yeah i don't think i've seen you this calendar a year right uh yeah, definitely not and then i didn't see you the holiday so like we're kind of like like crossing passing us in the night you know like you didn't know what the hell's gonna happen but uh um i've heard you're still alive and well which is good uh, yep and i don't think
1: i'll see you I don't know about well but alive i
2: don't think i'll see you until mm, a couple more weeks maybe
1: so yeah, yeah easily because so yeah i'm going to uh yeah i got the. well unless you come to the home game against buffalo which i don't even know if you're back in town for um, and then I'm not going to be at Hockey Day, Minnesota. That's the Flyer game. And then I go on a little vacation and then go to Phoenix and, and the All-Star Game and Dallas. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit. Um, man, was I thankful for you yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was traveling all day. Uh, Joe was on the Matt Boldy move uh, news. Uh, seven years, $49 million. Um, I think that the you know, perception out there for the last, you know, really couple months was that he was going to get a bridge deal. I think that even Bill Guerin and the Wild thought that he was going to get a bridge deal. Um, And then all of a sudden, I think they just started to realize, hey, you know what? If they can lock him in at $7 million a year, they'll just deal with the aftermath. And there's going to be an aftermath. But what they are betting on is that in two, three years, when this cap is skyrocketing, if Matt Boldy continues on the trajectory that he's on, 68 points in 89 games, that this is going to be a steal.
2: That's what they hope and that's what they think. And a lot of teammates feel that way too. And you look at it, yeah, I think bridge deal would have made sense too, just because they keep the app the number down, but it wouldn't have been that much lower than seven million, even if he had a three, four year deal. So if you're thinking the cap's gonna go up significantly in a couple of years, which they hope and they expect it to be, that seven million dollars if he's a twenty five goal scorer, you know, in this league, uh, is gonna age pretty well. So, um, you know, I think it's hard for Bully to pass up his first fortune, of course. And I think if Billy Garen's like, hey, this guy's for seven years. I have off for, for five and you have Eck. And so you cross those things off the list and you can kind of build around that. So the key, I think in this whole scenario is deciding, is this guy a cornerstone player, which that's what Garen called him the other day. And if you decide that you'd be as proactive as you can to get him at a good number for a number of years, if you believe in this guy on and off the ice, which they do, um, then it'll, it'll pay off in the end.
1: And obviously, I mean, last year he just came onto the scene and just did wonders for the wild in the second half. Um, Kevin Fiala, Uh, erupted with Boldy as well um, after Boldy scored in his first NHL game, the winning goal in his hometown of Boston. Um, And then it's just been clear sailing ever since. Um, You know, it's interesting because he's, you know, he's obviously getting points this year. um, But I do think there's been a little bit of a sophomore slump, uh, Joe. And I think that a lot of wild fans are starting to look at that as like, that's what he's going to be in the future. But I think now you get this off, off your mind. And now if we can become the Boldy that we saw last year, and definitely continue to, to you know, uh, develop in his career. I think that this really could be a great contract.
2: It definitely could be. And, and look at this year, though, for him, is he had up Kevin Fiala. You know, obviously, got traded in the offseason. So one of his top line mates left. Uh, he kind of juggled around the, the lineup the early in the season where he was playing with Rossi one night. He was playing with another person one night. So until recently, he hasn't had consistent kind of line mates there. Now with Hartman and, and Goudreau. Um, and so I, I think there still is part of him, his instinct is to be a a playmaker or a setup guy, which he's done his whole life. And I think the Wild are trying to get him to be more aggressive and assertive and just command the game. When you have, there are not many guys on this roster, aside from like real Kaprizov or I think maybe Zuccarello that have the skill set and he can be as dynamic and that bold he can be. Um And they just want him to be, you know, take more assertiveness and, and kind of take command of the game. They saw that a couple of weeks ago in like a Saturday game against St. Louis. He was four or five plays were like highlight real worthy and he didn't score, but he created a chance and a rebound and that could have easily been goal. So if you see more of that from him, you'll have more of a threat in the playoffs. You can't just be a one-line team. So they need him and that Hartman line to be a threat offensively so they can actually have some secondary scoring.
1: How much you, you know, you, you talk to Billy as much as I do. I mean, how much do you think he realizes that, you know, obviously right now their cap situation is what it is. Um, but that you know, for the rest of the season, maybe at the deadline, instead of us for 22 years saying this team needs to go out and get a center, that maybe the the priority will be, you know what? Let's go get Boldy some help, put somebody on that line, and see if maybe uh, you know they could go on an, a little bit of an ascension.
2: And I think like the biggest name out there is Patrick Kane, of course, and who better to add another side to have two lines? They like have Zuccarello and Kaprizov, and you have Kane and uh, and Boldy, and obviously that's might be wishful thinking for a lot of Wild fans, but. Um, I think, you're, I think you're right. I think, I think and it's my hunch is I think, you know, Garen kind of does want to give this team a chance and go it and make a move. Um, they have a ton of cap space right now at the deadline for this year that they can pick up an UFA and they do have a really good prospect pool and they do have their first round picks and I know they don't want to mortgage their future, um, but I think it'll be interesting in the next three, four weeks to see this team will tell him are they good enough to to win a round or two or how, how much do you want to mortgage if you don't think your team is a cup contender? If you, if you want to spend a lot, your team just win one round and maybe make up make some noise in the second round or do you think you legitimately with one extra or two extra pieces can um, come out of a western conference that you know Colorado's down um you know Dallas and Winnipeg if you think you have a chance to beat those teams um, that are ahead to in the standings then why to give you guys a shot
1: yeah I've gotten a lot of a lot of people ask me about Kane and Taves, and I really do think that either one of them makes a lot of sense for this team but more so to me Kane um, you know, as you just said, I, I just think that you know, if you put him on that line, uh, you, you know, suddenly you have two lines of scoring threats, so and then you add the Erickson Eck line. Uh, I think that that that's a team that can make some noise. And the power play. Look at what what the power play would look like if you have him on there too. I don't know how that would change
2: the configuration, um, on the power play. But yeah, you have guys that can move from one power play to the next one. Have more depth there, but no question, you need a couple scoring lines. And if you have the fourth line, those those Reeves and. Doer and Shaw that can be a really good plugging physical lines. You don't need them to play more than ten some minutes. Um, that's
1: a really good line for a playoff, uh, type team. Yep, exactly. And you know playoffs a lot better than some of us, by the way. Um, <laughs> let's uh, you know. Like when I look at the wild trade board and, or the NHL trade board that we're doing, there's other wingers there that make sense as well. A lot of wild fans have asked me about Tyler Bertuzzi. I think that, that he would make sense as well. The problem with him is always injuries and, and um, you, know, you know, but he is somebody that you, uh, you know, you put on a wing, it could be pretty interesting.
2: I think so too. There's others like maybe not bigger names, whether it's the or or NSDU, um, other ones that are not going to be cost you quite as much. Um, that can make, be a scoring threat or maybe with a fresh start can, can do some damage for you. So I just don't think we're going to see a, a Boer Horvat or a Besser or a Chickrin or these other bigger names that are on there. But I think if you go down the list and you see some teams and even ones that maybe aren't on that, on our trade board, um, for, for Tamper all those years, you're always looking for who's on our, the, the, the TSN or the athletic trade board. And as up being Brandon Hagel, who was they give two round, first round picks for or Barclay Goudreau. Um, so. Uh, Sometimes those underrated moves make the biggest difference uh, when it comes to the playoffs.
1: No doubt. Um, You know, it is, I mean, this is the season of throwing stuff against the wall. And obviously, we've been seeing that lately. Uh, Somebody wrote a giant story about the wild um and the Pittsburgh Penguins having trade talks that completely seems to be um a fallacy mm-hmm. uh compare you know considering the reporting that you and I both have done on that subject um Chikrin also mm-hmm. uh wild have no interest um you know it just doesn't make sense the one that still interests me is Besser mm-hmm. um but the only way that Besser would make sense is if you know if 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 Vancouver retained a ton of salary because obviously he's got extra term on his deal
2: yeah and i, I think that's bill another day uh, about that i'm like i know you don't like to give up asset for rentals but isn't that pretty much your mostly your market right now if you look at your cap space going in next year they don't have a lot that they can really look at what well, they with the boldy deal you have nine million dollars left for like seven guys if you keep most of those guys so i mean i'm i know that twitter has a lot of good negotiators that say that's gonna be easy you no, no problem but uh, i find it a little more tricky so i think that they're in the rental market this year mostly unless they can get a hockey trade where you you move some salary you move a guy that's Established player on your team uh, that was termed that you can maybe you know and we've talked about that a little bit more in the last couple of days and stories on guys on this team who could be on the move for cap purposes.
1: Yep, absolutely. Let's discuss that right now. By the way, I'm still waiting for us to announce the uh, Freddie Goudreau eight years (laughs) times one contract. Do you think he'll take eight years? At 8 million just get it done i think they will I think Dino want to go back to the 13 year like
2: give them this give them per say money you know and see if they can <laughs> exactly. w- lock him in but hey everybody knocks Definitely up Definitely crazy turn everybody knocks him I get that in the love affair with 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 uh with bison but he's a good player and mean at the right yes. number you know very like you know a guys you don't really think about a lot he's not gonna Get a lot of headlines, usually, especially with us. But I think overall, he's a guy that every team kind of needs, right? A Swiss Army knife, a guy who can play the penalty kill, a smart player, unselfish. You know, guys like him in the room. So I, I think, yes, he's not your superstar, but you know, I wouldn't give him eight by eight. But you know, uh, I'm sure he'll be getting a deal sometime this summer.
1: Yep. Um. And uh, yeah, I think that if he's smart, he'll take a team friendly deal here. Uh, let's discuss uh, the UFAs and how the Wild get this done. Um, right now. Going into next season, we got you got Reeves and Dumba as UFAs. You have Sam Steele, Brandon Duhame, Mason Shaw, Kalen Addison, and Philip Gustafson as RFAs. Um, only at this point, I mean, it's pretty crazy uh, when you think about it. Nine million dollars of cap space if the cap goes to eighty-three and a half million dollars. How the heck do they get this done, Joe?
2: Well, I mean, I think you make your priorities. You know, first in line, like, Boldy was number one priority. Now, what's your number two priority? Like, I would argue, you know, getting Gustafson um, under contract would be one of them. And he's not going to cost you a ton, but the more this goes, if he ends up having this year that he's had, he's really young. I mean, not really experienced in this league, but um, he'll take – I don't know if it's a probably a couple-year deal with – I don't know what the number will be. But I think the priority would be to sign him – you know, Goudreau probably beside him won't be much of a, as a, more of a hassle of a negotiation. Uh, the question I have is Kaelin Addison. Uh, Mike, um, clearly he's a guy that they trust in the power play. They've had issues with him defensively. They scratched him. We wrote about that. Um, so they want to see more from him in that end before, you know, committing. But what is the reasonable ask on his side? And is he going to be a priority for them uh, next year?
1: Yeah, that's that's the big one that I, I wonder about, too. Like, I, I just wonder what his price is going to be. And, um, you know, I mean, the thing is that if they, at a minimum, they're not going to have Dumba on this team next year, whether they trade him or not. And, you know, if you have Brock Faber there, there's a right shot guy. They have uh, Spatcha coming, a right shot guy. Um, I'm hearing from sources that they have a lot of interest in Luke Shen. Obviously, Tampa wants him back, but I think Luke, a lot of teams want Luke Shen. He's a right shot guy if they went and acquired him. I just wonder, you know, if Kalen is somebody that they are going to make a long term commitment to or if they would even consider moving him this season.
2: I think they could consider moving him, but I think you're, you're right. The depth there on the right side, at least for NHL-ready depth, isn't quite there. You know, um, If you trade Dumba, I know you talked to Dumba I think earlier today um, for a story, but um, there's, a, there's, a chance, there's a good chance he gets moved to the deadline, but you need to have somebody replace those 20 minutes in the penalty kill. And if you're not ready to put Caelan Addison in that top four, which I don't know if they are necessarily yet, um, you need somebody to get back that can play in that role. Uh, you can't count on Brock Baber to be ready to go and NHL ready top four, April 6th or whatever it is. So, um, right now, the right shot defenseman that are most NHL ready is Andre Schuster, who I loved in Tampa and a great guy, but, um, he's more of a third pairing guy, um, for your team. So that's where it gets tricky and the dumbbell situation gets kind of murky is like, yeah, like yeah. an ideal situation, you get something for him because he's not going to be coming back next year. But if you dump him, you still need somebody who's a competent veteran NHL defenseman to play that role. And Luke Shen, I like him a lot. Um I wonder if Garen thinks is he who who can plug in for Dumba next to Brodeen. I mean maybe very well maybe but that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're Bill Garen when you decided to map, move Matt Dumba you can't move it just to dump him out of here and, and move him hundred percent um plus he's a really a loved guy in that room as you know longer that you've been there longer than I have but he really the fans may have nitpicked him a lot but the guys in the room you know and he loves Minnesota so
1: He absolutely loves Minnesota. I talked to him today, um, as Joe mentioned, for a story, and he did uh, cut open a vein. And he admitted, um, and this will be in The Athletic later tonight, in in the game story, um, but he basically said he knows that every single day that he comes to the rink could be his last on the Minnesota Wild. Um, He's had incredibly open conversation uh, and honest conversation with Bill Guerin, so he understands that there is a chance that they're going to trade him. But as Joe just mentioned, um, you know, Dumba might think that he's got one foot out the door, The one foot out the door might happen this summer. It might not happen before the trade deadline. Bill Guerin is not going to move him unless they get better. It's not going to be just trade him and just plug in Alex Goligosky for the rest of the season there. You know, you could get by for a little bit with Goligosky, but he's going to want to get some sort of defenseman back um, that is going to be able to play a top four role in significant minutes for this team in some capacity, whether it's in the Duma trade or another trade. And that other trade. Let's get to um, another one that we've been reporting a lot of lately is Jordan Greenway. Um, I think you and I both have this perception right now that Greenway is on the block um, and it might not be a summer deal. It might be in advance of a trade deadline deal, um, you know, for myriad reasons. Um, one, they need the cap space for the summer. Um, you, you you know, you can trade Jordan Greenway and his $3 million and sign Brandon Duhame for maybe half the price and put him in that same role next to Felino and Ericsson next year. Um the other reason is that there is zero production from Jordan Greenway all season long. And the third reason is uh, what happened a week and a half ago where he just essentially didn't show up for a game, um, according to our reporting. And that really put the team in a bind on a second of a back-to-back with no extra forwards on the roster, Joe. And um, and you and I both know Bill Guerin and you and I both know Dean Evason. Um, they could not have been happy about that situation
2: absolutely not and it kind of my spice senses went up that day i covered that game and when they announced he was a non-covid illness the team did during the game like by the way he was a late scratch for this reason and i asked i was about it afterwards and he wouldn't even say he was an illness illness he was like he was unavailable that's all i'm going to say about that and looked kind of ticked off and you're like okay well clearly it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill like you know the flu or whatever it might be so clearly that ticked them off and it put them in a bad spot more you know obviously not everybody is 100 every day but you know, they had two guys that were injured that game. They had two forwards that got hurt in that same game. They had to get down to nine forwards on a back to back. Kaprizov had to play 26 minutes, that, you know, 12 minutes in the third period. So, uh, you know, when you make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes, of course, but you make mistakes that hurt the team and put them in a bad spot, it definitely uh, draws some ire from your GM and your coach. So, um, you know, I think they, they liked Greenway as a, as a person, as a kid. Obviously, he was a guy that they, they signed to an extension, I, think, I believe, last year. Um, but if all those variables that you laid out, all kind of in a perfect storm We're together where it would not be surprising to me at all. Um, if he has moved this summer, or maybe if there's a deal that comes out to play uh, before uh, you have to him, you can slide in there and, and be in that shutdown role.
1: Yeah. I, that's just my spider senses. And and to, to Joe's point, like I know Billy Garen loves Jordan Greenway, mm-hmm. loves him as a person off the ice, but he's also a no nonsense guy. And I cannot imagine um, that, that this organization was happy with the, the the you know really the lurch that he put them in a couple of weeks ago, and um, I don't think Greenway's,
2: Greenway's not a bad guy either. Not a bad; he doesn't yeah. hurt anybody. He's not, out hurting people other than on off the ice. Like he did maybe just make some some questionable decisions or maybe not as mature decisions in that situation. And um, those are all factors you have to to play out when you want to build a team that that they're big on culture, right? They're big on culture, big on accountability. Uh, that's a been like uh, the the bread and butter of what they wanted to build here with Everson and, and Garin. So that has to be. Uh, part of the consideration.
1: What do you make of the team right now, Joe? Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just been a weird year. It's like they've, they've been playing, they've been successful. They're winning games, but you know, take it from somebody that, you know, covered them last year. They were an extremely entertaining team last year, but in the end it got them nowhere, right? They lost yeah. in the first round this year. It doesn't feel like they're nearly as entertaining. You know, they're winning games that they're not playing great in. You know, I didn't think they were outstanding at all in New York. They they defended well, but they weren't great in the offensive zone. And then, you know, Arizona, really lucky to win that. And there's been a lot of those experiences this year.
2: There have been. And I think there was a little, I mean, as much as they were an exciting team last year, um, and the 25 come from behind wins and out outscoring their problems, it might have been a little more smoke and mirrors than that was let on in terms of that's not a recipe you can... Live and die on, especially they thought out in the playoffs. Bill Gary mentioned that Saturday in the midseason review. Like they talked a lot with Dean Evans over the summer. like We need to change a bit and have kind of an eye opener for them of not just playing a more tight defensive style of hockey, but handling adverse moments uh, it, in a better fashion. Like they didn't do when they were up 2 1 and they thought they were to go 3 1 and win the series. So I think this team, yes, is probably more boring to watch um, than the last year's team um they don't have a ton of guys that can scare you offensively but they play together um you know they play well defensively their expected goals allowed numbers is right up there at the top of the league their goaltending has been better than i think you and i expected going into the season and so they have a lot of elements that can help you win uh, a playoff series so um but yeah they're a hard team to read like you know, I look up the other, other day they're well, the same of, same points the lightning had before they played them the other day and i was like it's kind of crazy to think but um give them credit for winning games that they're supposed to win against kind of a softer schedule in December to kind of pad their record. But I think now we'll see in the next couple of weeks what they're made of, you know, Capitals, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, like all four on the road.
1: That's going to be a really good test for them to see uh, how they match up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've gotten to cover Kuro Kaprizov here now for half a season. Um, One goal from 100 might happen tonight in front of his idol, uh, Alex Ovechkin, who knows um what's your impression from somebody that's covered a ton of superstars from Victor Hedman to Stamkos to Kucherov to point um you've seen some incredible players in this league Joe uh where's Kaprizov stand right near top of that list I think and he's so young too but I was covered the
2: wild lightning game in Minnesota and I was walking the hallway and I saw Kucherov and he was talking to Kaprizov in the hallway and he's like hey Joe shook his hand said how like, how you liking it here and I, I almost wanted to tell him like it's fun to get to watch this guy every day pointing to Kroll Kaprizov, you know, <laughs> um, just because there are games like you know, no matter if you down one goal or two, that this guy could just break the whole thing open and find a way to, he's just one of those magnetic, um, dynamic players that, and, and has that it factor where he wants to be a difference maker. And I, I kind of saw from afar last year, I'm like, oh, this guy's obviously flashy, he can great hands, like skilled off the charts, but I'm really impressed and committed defensively he is. Like a two-way game is better than I think people realize. If you watch him Day in and day out, um, you see how much he, he works at the defensive end. He back checks. He's a really more of a physical player than people realize, too. Like that Doughty exchange back in L.A. a couple months ago, he didn't back down at all to him. So, like, um, I think I've appreciated – you appreciate more the players when you see them day to day, when you watch them practice, when you see him and Zuccarello after a morning skate for 25 minutes. Out there, just messing around, going through imaginary plays and Bill Garen smacking the glass, being like, get the hell off the ice. Okay. You have a game in like six hours. So, um, definitely been a treat to watch him. And I just wish, like, like, you know, he's getting a lot better with, with his English, of course, in interviews. Um, such a really great personality. Like, looking forward to seeing him as he opens up and gets more comfortable speaking the language for us to get to know him, which lets the fans get to know him better too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Joe, let's do this. Let's take a uh, break and we'll come back with Twitter questions. And hopefully that break is uh, Jeff Demet talking about Manscaped.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods.
1: All right, back here straight from the source, Michael Russo, Joe Smith. Uh, Michael's coming from Washington, D.C. Joe Smith from his old stomping grounds in St. Pete, Florida, see the orange trees in the background the cool and the, hot the lemon, lemon and stuff, yeah. yep and joe has been nice enough to take off his shade so he's yeah. doing this from his lanai that's <laughs> no, um, just a joke you know yeah um joe uh you land in the f- sun and you're getting to cover this father-son trip you are going to come back to minnesota though right i think it was a one-way ticket and not i trip actually <laughs> was one way so
2: i think you got the team from a while here like i don't know so i, I mean it is it is you know you probably didn't know the same thing, uh, Michael, you spend a long time in a place like you did as well and you come back the first time. It's like all the memories flash back, and yeah. get to see some old friends and drive past the old house that we sold a couple months. You know, like there's going to be obviously it's a lot of fun to see people. And I'm sure it's 75 degrees here. It's a beautiful sunny day. This morning, they de-iced the plane in Minneapolis and we'll delayed us by a half hour and slush and, you know, and I went way to the cab. So, um this, I could I could get used to this a little longer, but I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. uh, my job and my contract uh, has me back in Minneapolis and joining you sometime
1: soon. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, it, and and I'll probably uh, like I'm going to the All-Star game in Florida. But the one thing that you realize, maybe it'll be different for you, but it wasn't like like this is my 18th year in Minnesota. I don't know. Every trip to, to South Florida, like. Every year that went by, it became more and more of a business trip. And Mm -hmm. I mean this with all due respect to my old colleagues and my friends, um, but it's just like you see less and less people for some reason. Next thing you know, it's just like you're going to any city. So maybe it won't be the same for you. Well,
2: this one will probably be more you know, just different because the first time in three ones is I packed the car up and put Sammy in the backseat and drove from St. Pete to to Minneapolis. But uh, yeah, I'm sure as it goes along, it'll be more. Little more normal, and uh, we do enjoy Minneapolis too. It's not a, not a knockout that it's been a fun, uh, kind of blown by the last three months, uh, working with you up there. So it's uh, it's been a good time, yeah. And you won your first meat raffle, that was a bucket list item for sure. I only spent four bucks and got two New York strip steaks. My wife was happy with dinner, we had made them last night, uh, pan fried them, they were delicious. So I, I know it's a good way to sucker us in to get more money, but I figured I might as well, you know, embrace the, the Minnesota culture with that and the pull tabs. and cross country skiing and karaoke Vegas
1: lounge. Like you got to go all in. Crazy. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's go to Twitter questions. Uh, we got about 150 questions. We'll answer about 10 minutes worth. Um, so, uh, sorry if you didn't make the cut here. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm basically interrupting Joe. Uh, his first two or three days in Florida is not is not to do podcasts. So uh, let's get going. Blake asks, "What is your personal opinion of Boldy's AAV? Was seven million a year a little too much, too little? I was hoping to see it around six six and a half million. Personally, I mean, I, I'm shocked that it that they did seven years at seven. Not the Wild. I think Boldy's camp, um, because I think that they really think that with the cap going up. Um, Joe, that in you know three, four, five years, he could be an eight, nine million dollar player. And so I think when the Wild realized that they can get him at seven, they just took the bet that, hey, yeah, they're going to be overpaying him the next couple of years. Um, but eventually, if he continues on this path, he's going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a big uh, bargain.
2: Yeah. I asked Agent Brian Bartlett the other day. I'm like, is there some risk here? He goes, of course there is. If he turns into this lead player we all think he can be, he'll be underpaid at the end of his deal. Um, but he also has $49 million, a lot of it front loaded too, uh, to bank on in case he has an injury or something happens. You know, you never want to pass up that first fortune. Evan Longoria told with that a long time ago when he signed after eight games in the big leagues. But, um, but yeah, I think but he also will be a free agent at age 29, I believe. So if he does like kick ass on this deal and becomes a 30 goal scorer, then when the cap is, they hope we're <laughs> like over 90 million by then, um, then you can kind of go, go crazy there. So, but he likes it here. he's, he's a fit. Um, He loves the team. The team feels he's a a cornerstone guy you can build around. So the seven to seven didn't really bother me too much. Um, And it'll look good probably later on in his career.
1: Uh, Matthew has a good question. Says, how does a contract like this affect the locker room? I know the boys are happy, but they also have to realize it will affect who can resign and who might get traded. It's a great question, uh, Matthew. And that was one I was asking around the room today. Um, because it it does. I mean, you know, Matt Dumba, if he didn't know before, he's not going to be back next year. He certainly knows now. And I guarantee you there are guys like Jordan Greenway. And even though I think you and I both think there's no chance they trade like a Marcus Felino or Ryan Hartman, I'm sure even guys like that start to think like, hey, you know, could my time be coming to an end here? Because they all have calculators. They all know the math doesn't work. And yeah, while you're excited for a teammate, um, this clearly will have um, You know, a uh, lasting effect on and determine the futures of certain players. And I think you and I both think that coincidentally, it's going to affect another Brian Bartlett client, and that's Jordan Greenway.
2: And one of, you know, Boldy's good friends, and I think Boldy lived with Greenway last year, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Absolutely. too. So it's just one of those things that's such a small tight knit hockey community. And I think the guys were ribbing him yesterday and in the locker room and tell tell me he had to buy dinner last night. I don't know if he did it buy dinner in DC or not, but. I think they're generally happy for him. They're generally happy for a guy who's 21 years old getting this this fortune here, because um, he because he's a hardworking player. But but yeah, like all the RFAs, you know, whether it's Addison or Gustafson or Steele, there's only so much money left there to, to spend. So, or if you're Ryan Reeves, who they love there too, will he come back next year? I don't know if you th- I don't know what you think about that. If you could fit him in or not.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be very much like Nick Delorier where, the you know, the Wild really wanted Delorier back, but he got extra term and money from the Flyers. And I think Reeves is probably going to be the same thing. Like, I think Billy Garen would love to have him back at 750, but is Ryan Reeves coming back for 750? You know, I, you know that'll be the big question. Uh, you know, if he thinks that he can get a million and a half elsewhere or something like that, I, I think that he'll at least test for your agency. Um, so I, I do think it affects that. Um, you know, Addison's still the one that I just, you know, I just have the sneaking suspicion that he could be somebody that they, that they, depending on what he's going to be commanding, um, could be somebody that they maybe move this summer. I know that might make wild fans just shocked, but you know, also people I think know me by now that, that, you know, that I wouldn't just throw that out there with having just, you know, without, you know, feel having a good sense of that. And, um, you know, when you look at Spachik and Faber and Hunt and Peart and O'Rourke and all these young defensemen that they have in the pipeline, um, you know, Addison is somebody that they're going to have to make a serious decision on this offseason. Definitely. I'm
2: curious to be your thoughts on Sam Steele. Like, you kind of get lost in the shuffle here uh, because, yeah. you know, 850 this year, kind of a, you know, prove it deal and kind of the fresh change of scenery has been great for him. Um, arguments like anybody can play with those two guys, but that's not the case. And like so he does should get some credit for being able to play with them and yeah. um and and perform well in that situation. So I'm my curious, like, hey, does he understand that and know that hey I'm benefiting from a really good scenario here? I might not yeah. get to play with these guys on another team. So maybe I will not say team friendly, but you know, let's this guy they take the chance on me and I they bet on me and now I maybe come back and, and uh enjoy this situation it's supposed to be you no know, A Tyson Jost
1: kind of guy, you know, so yeah, I I, see to me. I think that he is a better player than Tyson Jost. I really do. Um, And I think it will be an interesting decision that the wild have. He's arbitration eligible. So this could also be one of those um, situations. And this is just me totally shooting from the hip. They have no intel on this, but maybe it's one of the situations where you don't qualify him. And then you come back to him and say, all right, um, you know, now let's sign maybe a two year deal at 2 million bucks or something and, and try to get him. Um, That way, uh, where he doesn't go to arbitration, a lot of it will depend depend on what his arbitration case is on uh, which way they go. But he's been a very serviceable player and and thank God for him, you know, because, you know, obviously uh, Hartman was hurt. But he also has not had the year that I think that he expected to have. And so, you know, Steele goes to that uh, that that spot between Kaprizov and Zuccarello and has done a really good um, job there. Uh, name can't be blank. One of great Twitter names. asks, is Goose going to be a cap casualty this offseason? Two million dollars extra to bring back Addison or Gus might um, be needed. Ah, uh, you also have Faber, hunting or work coming as well. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens here in the next couple days and weeks with with uh, Alex Goligosky because I don't think he's he'll, he's happy right now. Um, I do think that his agent is going to have a conversation with Bill Guerin here to try to figure out what's going on in the next little while. Um, you know, if you are going to trade Dumba, I mean, you know the way this league is, you can't have enough NHL defensemen. And you know, even if Alex Goligosky would welcome a change, I don't think that Bill Guerin going to want to trade him and you know maybe what you say to him is hey look let's re read re- you know let's re-, re you know talk about this again this this off season about maybe moving you but let's keep you here for now uh what do you think happens with the Galax Galgassi situation
2: yeah it's it's a tough one like i asked him the other day i was like what's the balance here like are you you know happy cuz the team is winning like you, it makes it easier or <laughs> is it still hard to to not play he goes it could be both right it could be both like i could be happy the team's winning, but I'm also frustrated I'm not playing. And he's a, been in the league for a long time. He's won a cup. He's um, obviously came back to Minnesota, his home state. You know, for a reason he wanted a chance to play here. Uh, he played most games last year, and so all of a sudden he's uh, obviously the Wild have their reasons why they like John Merrill over him. But um, I do think I do agree with you. I think Bill Guerin respects him a lot. Has a lot of you know a good relationship with him. But he also knows the minute you trade a defenseman, you lose two to injury. Big time. And um, so I think, especially if Dumbo's in the block, I just can't see Galagoski going anywhere until at least the summertime. Then you can save some cap space then. Um, if he continues, he wants to play, which last time I talked to him, he still wants to play. I don't think he's retiring yet, but, you know, who knows what will happen in three months.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tyler asks, uh, do you expect the Boldy deal to be a catalyst for other extensions to get done in the next So. Uh, three to six weeks. Um, What do you think? I I think that they're going to, as you mentioned, I think right now you start talking to Gustafson and try to put that next peg, um, you know, uh, you know I think right now what they want to do is get as much cost certainty as possible so they can count dollars and cents. So I think Gustafson would be the next priority. You know, maybe you try to get Goudreau done now, even though if you go to Goudreau after the season, I think he's going to come back. Um, I don't think there's any pressure to get it done now. It's not like you're going to trade him at the deadline if he's unsigned and a pending UFA. Um, but really, is there, is, is there much pr- uh, of a priority to get anybody else done other than maybe those two? Those would be the main ones because you still want to wait and see on
2: Addison too. Like If I want to see how the rest of the year goes out there, it's you know, in the lineup. So I think Gustafson would be what guy I'd go to. Um, you know, and maybe Gustafson wants to wait. Maybe he's like, hey, I'm having a great year. Maybe if my year <laughs> ends this way, my numbers go up, right? And Sam Steele, if you're arbitration eligible, not a lot of, le- a lot of leverage for them to be like, hey, I'm- why would they want to wait You know, if he's playing on the top line the rest of the year so? I don't know. It, 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 it takes two to tango, right? So the Wild could easily want to go to Gustav tomorrow and say, I want to sign you a two-year deal. But maybe he's like, well, let's, let's put a pause button here and let's see how the year goes and then see how much we can get in the summertime.
1: Uh, Joseph said, I heard you tell a story about Craig Leopold calling the league about some stuff after a game when Billy Garen had a family issue. Is this a common thing for an owner to do? Seems to align with all the culture talk. Um, yeah, what I said on a podcast or reported the other day is that after the Buffalo game, you know, I, I reported that day, during that the day of the Buffalo game, Bill Guerin lost his father-in-law. and next day, I, next day, I happened to coincidentally um, shadow the situation room. And um, it was told to me in there that Craig Leopold, the wild owner, had actually called the league because he was very upset with the officiating and overtime in Buffalo. And I don't think the league was very enamored with the officiating and overtime in Buffalo either, by the way. And um, uh, what I was told was that th- that is the first time in uh, since 2008 that Bill Guerin, that that Craig Leopold has owned the Minnesota Wild, that he has actually called the league. So I think it was uh, to to just, you know, get some pressure off Billy and not put him on, in, in that position. But I know the the Wild were very uh very upset with that. But I was told that it was it was totally uh the first time that's ever happened. Uh here's a funny question. Bill Guerin's burner Twitter account, Joe, at probably wishful thinking, but do you get any sense that Freddie would do a team friendly deal for some term, much like Hartman did? I think that he would, right? Don't don't you? When you have a relationship like this with a coach, the grass is definitely not always greener. It isn't, and he fits with the way they
2: want to play. He's a very well respected guy on that team. The coach obviously him go way back, and and he trusts him. I think Doudreau trusts Everson, and I think as long as he's here, he's going to have a pretty prominent role. He'll have power play time. He'll have penalty kill time. Like so. You know, unless the offer is going to blow you out of the water, I think it's something to be said for liking where you're at and being comfortable in your role. And he's already moved around a little bit too. So I think, <clears throat> depending on what team friendly means for that number, but I think he'd be a guy who would come back.
1: Yeah. Um, here's a good question, Joe. I don't know what you think of this. Um. Uh, jang art asks is having two writers covering the wild working out as you'd hoped you were both outstanding so i am for one i'm uh, enjoying the double coverage But i was just wondering how you guys at the athletic field exceeding expectations i mean i could tell you uh wouldn't you agree that yesterday <laughs> maybe you wouldn't agree but for me yesterday was man stress-free because i had uh, another story on my plate and uh just having you there it was such a you know breath of fresh air for me. Uh, I mean, even remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I was at the Atlanta airport connecting and I said to you, hey, do you need help? I got 30 minutes here. Do you need help with the news headline? And then you send me the link. Uh, news headlines up. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you just, you took total control of it. And I just think, you know, that's that's where, I mean, yesterday was po- proof positive. I think we're, man, it really was just a breath of fresh air to have a second person.
2: No, I mean, it's definitely been great. Both of us have, you know, been grinding for a number of years and on our beats and cover it relentlessly, and so it has been nice to collaborate ideas, just share story ideas back and forth. It's really be helpful I for both of our stories that way, um, and just on a personal level, like being able to like go home, go home for Christmas and to spend more time that way, and driving uh, with my wife and our dog to go see our family, and so you've been able to get away too a little bit. I'm probably missing your first few home games probably in a long time or first road games yeah. in a long time. So uh, I think as far as like. Professionally and then personally as a work-life balance has been good and I also been kind of impressed like you know I'd, you've been here for 20 some years right so either no, not been really an ego there like more like your territorial like don't write a story on the analytics team or don't write a story on the yeah. pre or don't write a story about this like there's never been like oh that's my guy you know.
1: You give me guys. I think I I think wild fans uh, that that just heard you say that um, would laugh because uh, they know that I don't want to write about the analytics team. It's just not my cup of tea. But in all seriousness, like that story was just so fascinating and so well done. And um, you know, learning one more about Net Cells, but again, the the whole operation. And I just think, and, and this is to me where like the value of having you here is, is that you write these stories that are complex so simply. To understand, like the analytic story was just outstanding. The story that you did on practice and the science to it and the heart monitors and all that stuff, by the way, without ever, ever telling me that you even working on it behind the scenes and the next thing you know, you're like, hey, by the way, I'm working on this story. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, those are stories that I just don't think that I'm sometimes equipped enough to write. Maybe from an intelligence standpoint, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, just think that's where to me, the way that I envision this whole working, uh, this whole thing working, I just think, um, you know, I, I, just think wild fans, uh, you know, I feel bad for lightning fans, but I think that wild fans are realizing that maybe some of the promises that we made in the off season, when we announced that you were coming and, um, you know, are really actually coming into fruition where they are just getting, uh, you know, to me, a luxury of riches from that standpoint.
2: It has, it has been fun personally for me just because I have had a whole fresh canvas of stories I can do, right? After yep. writing a lot of stories in Tampa. And like you maybe – I see things from a different perspective than you do. Or maybe you didn't think it's a story, but oh, maybe it is a story. So I think it's just overall, uh, for me, it's been exciting to have watched a whole new locker room to learn people to, the relationships with. And then find a fun story off off the ice as Shaw and Doer them doing karaoke and whatever. You know, like finding fun angles and maybe uh, you or I don't think about things differently. So I think it bring, we have different writing styles different Twitter uh, styles apparently uh, off game. So uh, I think it's been, hopefully it's been uh, good for a lot of wild
1: fans. Um, a couple more for you, Joe, and then we'll let you go. Um, Doug Erickson asks a uh, future goaltending question with Gus getting his game together. How far off is Wallstatt uh, for being at least a backup? And what does this mean for Fleury's contract? I know that you're actually working on a Jesper Wallstat story um, in, in terms of what it means for Fleury's contract. I don't think anything. I think that the, you know, Bill Guerin wants to quote overbake, Wallstat And I just think the fact that both Gustafson and Fleury are winning games and playing well, I think that allows him to, quote, overbake um Jesper Wallstat And um, you know, Fleury's got one year left on his deal and uh and certainly looks like he continue to can continue to play. So I think that allows that part. So that's my answer to that part of the question. Tell us about Wallstat. Give us an update on him. Well, he's been
2: playing really well the last couple of weeks. I think he had like four out of five like really good starts in a row. I think he's kind of turning a corner. They worked on him. A lot of small things like work habits and practice and conditioning and uh little things that you uh learn at going to the pro hockey level at the uh uh, in north american style hockey um so i think it's probably a luxury for him too not to feel the pressure of like the team's struggling up top there's a goalie crisis and like we need to have them save the day um and so i think overall they could go into next year having gustafson and flurry as the one-two combo again and then give him another year get him some spot starts during the season So you get a taste of the NHL, and then if you want to to make a move or whatever, he's ready to do that. I think it takes a lot of time for goaltenders to feel comfortable in their own in their in their crease, and then at the NHL level, so much different than AHL. So uh, the more they get him acclimated without giving him a large responsibility, I think it'll be great for him in the future because he's a future number one goaltender and a really good one too.
1: Cool. Uh, Two more for you, and then uh, one little fun one. Uh, Jacob wants to know, uh, when you talk about lateral move for Dumba, I guess this is for me because he put it in quotes because I always say that. Uh, Do you mean someone that could take his top four minutes or a seventh defenseman so Goligosky can slide into the lineup as a regular? My guess is that a lateral move, um, when Bill Guerin talks about it means somebody that can't be as good or better than Dumba in a top four role, not just get acquire like a Luke Shen and put Goligoski there. I think if they felt Goligoski was a top four player, he'd be in a top four right now. So I think they want to get an, a NHL top four defenseman. If you're going to trade Dumba. Um, th- that's just my opinion. Do you agree? I do, I do.
2: And so if you do go out and get a Luke Shen, it wouldn't be able to be a sixth or seventh defenseman. They already got two of those. They you know, so if they feel Luke Shen can be that guy in the top four role, then that's what they would do. Or whoever that you know, Gavrikov in, in Columbus he use a glove shot, right? So um if finding different guys that you can fit in that role, they don't want to let go of him and then have I don't know if they're comfortable yet of putting Kale Nadison in that role right now. Um he's a rookie defenseman, it takes a while for him to learn. So I don't think uh I think it has to be a lateral in terms of having a guy who could fit yep. in where Gumba plays in the lineup.
1: Uh, Brandon Dahl asks, uh, have you seen enough from this year's call-ups and younger players that would re- make Marco Rossi expendable in a package to acquire top six help? Uh, no. Um, you're not trading Marco Rossi because Sammy Walker's just, you know, been able to play some games. Um, that, that would be uh, ludicrous. I'm not saying they would never trade Marco Rossi, but it would not be because of the call-ups that we've seen uh, in the minors. It is way, way too, I don't know if you've talked to Bill Guerin about this. Um, but don't you agree that it is way too soon to give up on a Marco Rossi?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, I talked to Garrett, I talked to Tim Army, and who sees him every day in Iowa. And like, wait till this kid's twenty-four years old. Give him some time, right? Like, and the, with the history this organization has had up the middle at center, the last thing you want to do is give up a guy who could be a potential top-six center playing next to Matt Boldy for a number of years, right? Um, or whatever my case might be. So, yes, it's probably been frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for Marco Rossi to be in Iowa right now instead of the. Minnesota Wild, but he has a skill set. If he can just turn that switch mentality-wise of just commanding the game and, and being that kind of alpha kind of player because he has a skill set, um, I, I don't think you want to give up on a guy that young, that talented this
1: soon. Uh, Mahu 02 wants to 2 wants me to ask you, when am I going to go haze Joe Smith and do a meaty mailbag blog? We haven't done any mailbags this year, don't we think? We, we probably should at some point.
2: We probably do sometime here before the deadline, right? And we can take, you know, at least instead of having you do the full media blog, we can split it up, right, um, yeah. and pick on that we way. Might so, have to do it in, like, eight parts, though. So. Well, just seven days in a week, right? <laughs> Daily mailbag part seven, uh, running yeah. Saturday. So, yeah, I think we tried some live rooms before. I don't know how much fans like them or not like them, but I think mailbags are a way for it to be permanent, and people, if they don't hear the live room or miss it or you know, can't be there to kind of have that stick out and kind of re share that. Note. So we will should we should probably do one, uh, come up here soon so people can uh, get their questions in and see how long we can go and just piss off our editor, Jake Leonard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hey Joe, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I want you to go enjoy the weather and a couple days of, uh, R and R. Are you looking forward to the father, son, or really the, it's the mentor's trip. Uh, like I was talking to Matt Dumba this morning, his brother, uh, um, his brother, Kyle, uh, who played junior hockey? Actually, came on uh, a trip when he was 18 years old. His dad's been on a bunch. Um, in fact, the last one in Edmonton, his dad was on, and uh, he's on this one as well. But um, I I gotta think you. always enjoy getting good stories out of this type of stuff.
2: Oh, absolutely. The, the dads' trips, even Tampa, were fantastic. A lot of really good personalities. I think the the dads had a a lot of rough time in the mornings after. They had a lot of Nashville <laughs> um um trips for Tampa dads. So few of them were a little – had to get some help from their sons to get up in the morning sometimes. So they're, they're a lot of fun. But some of the best stories that like you know, Mike, are from family members or from parents, from brothers, from wives. And so yep. this will be a really fun time, especially staying in you know, South Florida and Tampa. They're going to enjoy the hell out of this one. So
1: yep, I'll be – uh,
2: I'll show them where to go.
1: Yep. Uh, Todd Boldy, I would assume, is going to get a nice dinner either at Burn Steakhouse or the Meat Market or somewhere on Las Olas. Uh, I got to think Todd Boldy's got a nice dinner coming his way. Hey, uh, Joe, thanks for doing this. Uh, Uh, as, as everybody that listens to all these podcasts on the athletic, know, we have a vast array of podcasts across our network. Every sport, um, Jason Priestley. The actor, director, remember Jason Priestley from Beverly Hills 90210? Wow. He joins uh, myself, Jesse Granger, and Rob Pizzo on the Athletic Hockey Hour uh, on Wednesday. Athletic Hockey Show, I should say, on Wednesday. Um, Jason Priestley directs and narrates Offside, the Harold Ballard story, and that is again on Wednesday's Athletic Hockey Show. Annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $2 a month for a year when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to the athletic hockey show on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show straight from the source. We'll return in the next week or so. Believe it or not, at some point with Andrew height, that, 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 podcast, as Jeff Demeter, our illustrious producer uh, would know, has been collecting dust since we recorded it in early December, but it will be up at some point in the near future. Joe, thanks for doing this and talk to you next week, everybody. Uh, Thank you.